Welcome to Minutes with Mary. I'm your host, Mary Stellatello. Join me for short conversations. I mean, dog walk short conversations about coaching, leadership, organizational transformation, and social impact. This episode is adapted from a conversation hosted by Andrew Gottlieb on the School for Humanity podcast. Andrew and I covered a variety of topics in our conversation, including my early career aspirations, my inspiration to start my own business, the six pillars of building resilience, reshaping the global economy with B Corps, and defining conversational intelligence. It was a rich conversation. Hi, Mary. Welcome to School for Humanity. Thank you so much, Andrew. So great to be with you today. Our conversation today is going to talk a lot about business. We're going to dive into some really great questions that are related to the current pandemic that the world is experiencing. But before we do that, I like to connect the dots. And what I mean by that is that old Steve Jobs quotes of, you can only what was it? Look forward by connecting the dots, looking back. And the way we always start off our conversations here is going all the way back in time to your childhood. And I'd love to hear from you, Mary, as a kid, what did you aspire to be when you grew up? Thanks, Andrew. That's a great question. I don't know if I really had an aspiration as a kid of what I wanted to be when I grew up. I I think really I had a deep sense of curiosity for for people and people's cultures and background and just really had an interest in being, you know, more globally connected. I grew up outside of Chicago in um a suburb in a pretty homogenous community. And I had the opportunity to, my dad had a restaurant and ran a restaurant for about 12 years in Chicago. And I had the opportunity to spend weekends in my summer in the city and was really exposed to lots of different cultures at an early age, which really piqued my curiosity about, you know, how do people see the world from different lenses? And I think that was more of my aspiration was to get more of that in my life in whatever way possible. What did you study in college? I went to UC Berkeley and, uh, you know, part of knowing my, me as a person of adventure, I actually went to school there from Chicago sight unseen. I didn't even visit the university. I had a couple other options as far as college and I knew I didn't want to stay in Illinois. And so Berkeley was actually the first school that accepted me. And I went to Berkeley thinking I was going to study business. And actually, when I took my first accounting course, even though I had been a student that really enjoyed math and numbers, something about accounting at the at the university level was not for me. And I bailed out at the last second as far as going to the business school for my bachelor's degree and studied political science and economics as an undergrad. What were some of your first jobs after undergrad? Well, I, you know, when I went to, uh, after undergrad and, you know, I really had the opportunity to learn a lot about different cultures and being in the Bay, Bay Area is an incredibly rich cultural area. And, you know, Berkeley at the time that I was there in the 80s was raising awareness around apartheid. And at that point, the staff and the faculty at UC Berkeley, and I'm not, it might even have been the entire UC system was protesting about having their pension funds invested in South Africa. 
So at that time, you know, a suburban kid from the Midwest who didn't know a whole lot about the world in many ways became much more informed about some of the injustices that were happening across the globe and was involved in uh, protesting those commitments and investments in an apartheid regime. When I finished college, I decided I actually wanted to continue to do work internationally with my studies, and I went to graduate school at the University of New Mexico and studied Latin American studies. And at that point, I was able I was able to do a twofer. They had a great program there where you could do, get two master's degrees in the same amount of time. So I did my master's MBA there in international management. But it was really the master's in Latin American studies that drove my interest for that program. So that took me till I was around 25, and then you know ventured into the work world. And, you know, the early part of my career, I really spent most of my time in the nonprofit sector working with organizations that supported children and youth services for families that were homeless by providing child care. I also led an organization that supported legal services for kids in the foster care system. And also another position I had was with an organization that supported runaway and homeless youth. I mean, I had my interest internationally in particular in Latin America, really continued throughout my 20s. And I, you know, had the opportunity to volunteer with an organization that supported youth in community development in Latin America called Amigos de las Americas and spent some time in Ecuador. And when I was 30, I was really fortunate to have the opportunity to participate in an international fellowship program sponsored through the Kellogg Foundation and Partners of the Americas, so that I had the opportunity for over two and a half years to participate with 20 leaders from the U.S. and 20 from Latin America on a global fellowship program, which really was an amazing experience and really helped transform me personally and also professionally in what I wanted to focus on with the balance of my career at that point. What inspired you to create your own company? You know, I think I was really kind of an accidental entrepreneur, if you will. You know, as I said early in my career, I worked, you know, running various nonprofit organizations. You know, I I did also spend about five years working in philanthropy. I worked for a foundation that supported youth development programs globally. So I had some opportunity to continue to work internationally. I always sort of felt that I wanted to have the opportunity to share what I had learned in my journey through working in different size organizations and domestic as well as international that I eventually would move into the consulting space and, you know, be able to help other leaders navigate those same paths that I had walked previously. So my last nonprofit role was running a youth exchange organization that supported about 1,800 kids coming to the United States for their high school exchange experience. And then from there, I I transitioned to working for a national consulting firm that supported nonprofits and did that for a few years and then moved from the Bay Area. I was living in California in the Bay Area at the time and moved to Wisconsin and set up my own shingle, really kind of doing the same types of services that I was doing when I worked for the national firm. So it was sort of you know, by by accident, but also saying, hey, I really, you know, enjoy what I'm doing right now and why not try to do it myself? So 
it was somewhat seamless as far as the kind of work I was doing, but running my own business, of course, is, you know, you you do everything. You do the business development, you do the bookkeeping, you do the project work, you do it all. So it was more about me just wanting to continue to do the same work that I was doing and not really having many contacts in Wisconsin when I moved here to just give it a chance. And here I am 10 years, almost 10 years later, still doing this work, which is pretty exciting for me. How can someone build resiliency through the pandemic? Well, I think we're all in this place of trying to find our way of navigating what has been happening, you know, and, and that really also, you know, depends on the, the level of resilience that you have already within you. And I, I recently wrote a blog post on building resilience and, you know, looking at what are those pillars that help people build resilience in the face of anything, whether it's the pandemic or many people have been living through war for decades as well. And how do, how do you continue to move forward and still, and still have meaning in your life? And uh, the pillars of resilience that I shared in my blog from Dr. Ariel Schwartz are having a growth mindset. So really thinking about understanding life experiences are not just positive or negative, but they are opportunities for learning and development. Building your capacity for emotional intelligence and recognizing when you have feelings, you know, whether it's fear or exhaustion or sadness, to really acknowledge them and recognize that they're normal and also acknowledge when they're happening in others and recognize that it's normal to have these types of feelings in the current situation that we are living in, you know, really maintaining community connections. And I think, you know, this is an area where it's been most compromised in the pandemic as we in the past have thought about connection in just an in-person context or mostly in an in-person context. You know, how do we create these intentional connections while we're in a virtual context? And, you know, so being able to do fun things and having, you know, virtual happy hours right now or social distancing, you know, by just pulling up a few chairs in your driveway, if you have a driveway or a backyard to still be able to physically make, you know, have connections with people. Another way that people have found what Dr. Schwartz has identified as an element of building resiliency is self-expression and really meaning that tapping into that part of our brain where we have creativity and innovation. So whether that's dance or writing or journaling or art, music, it, it really taps into the, the prefrontal cortex of our brain where we have oxytocin, which is a hormone that helps us feel more social connection and resilient and relation relationships. A couple other pillars of resilience are embodiment and really that means using breath and movement to help calm our autonomic systems which are on overdrive right now for feeling the stress of trying to navigate our lives so yoga and meditation and breathing can help with that and then lastly as far as the pillar of you know the six pillars of resilience is recognizing we have choice and what we have control over and there are certain aspects of our life we don't have control over and, and, and recognizing and allowing that 
we, you know, letting go of feeling like we want to control things that we don't. And yet there are things that we do still have control over ourselves in how we choose to move through our days. So, you know, I, I really, I've coached a lot of leaders um, over the last six, four or five months and navigating how do they work and how do they lead their teams through, through the pandemic and micro steps and really small behaviors can be really transformative. We need to really recalibrate how we think about productivity right now because there's many external factors that impact our ability to be productive at the level that we were productive pre-pandemic. So micro steps in recalibrating what we think about as success are ways to to really feel like you're shifting and, and feeling like you're you know, living a life on purpose with some, some joy and some energy. What are some ways that we can reshape the global economy for everyone? Thanks for asking that question. I know that in our previous, you know, conversation and in, in preparing for our, our call today, we talked about my company's work, Vista Global Coaching and Consulting and, and the involvement in the certified B Corp community. And for, for your listeners who are not familiar with what certified B Corps are, certified B Corps there is a, a global movement of businesses who are committed to being a force for good. And they're not only committed by their talk, they're committed by their walk and their practices. And B Lab, which is a global nonprofit that is based in the U.S., has been around for about 12 years now, has established a third-party certification process that evaluates business practices in five different areas, workers, customers, suppliers, community, and the environment, and businesses that are committed to being a force for good are evaluated by going through this assessment process. It's transparent and there's accountability in doing so. And with the movement right now and really acknowledging businesses' roles, you know, the business community globally, their role to uh, actually create a more just and equitable economy, the more that businesses align their practices with these indicators, the more we will be able to recalibrate, you know, the structures in in the capitalist economy that don't work for everybody. So my company, Vista Global, was the first certified B Corp in the state of Wisconsin. We now have 14, but globally, there's over 3,000 certified B Corps and, you know, large multinational companies like Patagonia and Danone USA and seventh generation that are really starting to move the needle on yes, you know, big business can be big business for good and being intentional around how we source and how we treat our, our employees and what we do in the community and what kind of impact we have on the environment can be done in such a way where you actually can also still have a profit. How can we use conversational intelligence to create radical inclusion? And maybe you could start off and just 
define what conversational intelligence is? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, conversational intelligence is a framework that was developed by Judith Glazier over about 30 years of research. And it really looks at the impact that our brain has on the quality of conversations. And through the research, which, you know, she had done, and I was fortunate to have had the opportunity to train from Judith. She passed away just a couple of years ago in building trust because quality conversations and quality results are really based on the level of trust between individuals. And if we as individuals are feeling that we are feeling in our primal brain, part of our brain, then it's impossible for us to be able to trust in whomever we're talking with. And where great things happen, as I had mentioned earlier with resilience, is really when we're in our prefrontal cortex, when we are in the creative space in our brain where we can access innovation and strategic thinking and empathy and understanding. And so with this understanding around what's happening in our brains and how does that impact the way that I engage with others to have greater success in the work that I do individually or collectively with someone else can be extremely transformative in having amazing things happen. So whether that's in your workplace or in your relationships, and I really... I'm, I'm now a certified conversational intelligence coach, and I, I really have found that using some of the conversational rituals, if you will, you know, there's 10 of them in different ways of engaging in conversation that will help build understanding across really the divides that we have right now in our society. So an example of that is you know, if we don't have an understanding of someone else and where they're coming from or what their experience is, and this sort of raises all of what's going on around bias and, and privilege, it's going to be extremely challenging for us to build bridges across those gaps in our understanding of each other. And so in conversational intelligence, some of the tips or tools that are presented in that framework are double clicking. So when someone says something that you don't understand, you you actually say, well, say more, what does that mean to you? So, you know, what does privilege mean to you? And and you if you're curious enough and you're in that space of really listening to connect with that person, then you'll be able to hear what their experience is for in that light versus assuming from your own stance or your own position, what that means. So I think that, you know, these tools and I, and I have worked with some of my other colleagues around utilizing some of these tools to help build and foster more trust, which then ultimately allows us to co-create the future that we're looking for. In your opinion, why is leadership important? Okay, well, that's an interesting question. I've never asked, I had someone ask me why leadership is important. From my perspective, you know, we are all leaders of our lives and of, you know, of ourselves and of our communities and of our planet. And for us to be living in, you know, a humanity that serves 
us all collectively and allows us to reach our greatest potential, leading ourselves and leading each other to our greatest potential will result in a universe, a society, a humanity that is best for all. And we all have leadership within us. Leadership is not something that's anointed. We all have gifts to offer the world. And it's a matter of us tapping into our own gifts and connecting with the gifts of others so that we're able to design, develop, and regenerate a planet and a humanity that is in the best interest of all that are here. If, if we're not all leading ourselves and leading for the ultimate vision of a, a healthy planet and a healthy community, then I just, I just read something that came through today that there was a, a projection by Jared Diamond that the world as we know it will not, will be over by 2050. And, and from my perspective, if we aren't considering how we lead ourselves and how we lead and co-create a world that is within its boundaries and its resources. What are we here for? Can you talk about the varying ways that you service your clients? Sure. I mean, as I mentioned, uh, Vista Global is a, it's a coaching and consulting firm that provides services to nonprofits and socially minded businesses. And in the, in the consulting area, we provide a variety of different services in organizational development and transformation. So whether that is working with nonprofits who are considering mergers or consolidations and doing the facilitation of that process, as well as the integration of new, of the new organization, working with nonprofit organizations with respect to how can their boards be most effective to help serve the mission of the organization, leadership development with respect to leaders that are cross-sector. So my company does a lot of leadership peer cohort learning programs. In the coaching area, I have a separate division, Vista Global called Vista Leadership Institute, which design has is the design of an online learning program with some coaching that really helps professionals who are at a crossroads and not really sure what they want to do do next. And so it's a it's a blended learning program where there's online learning plus coaching and in-person retreat when that was possible a couple uh, years ago. And and then I also have re- workshops related to different topics that, you know, some that we've just talked about, conversational intelligence, listening, how do you build your strengths? And I have individual coaching clients as well. Who should join the VISTA Leadership Institute? As I just mentioned, the VISTA Leadership Institute is designed for individuals who are feeling like they're at a crossroads with their career and not sure what they want to be doing next. And, you know, it's been interesting over the course of the pandemic. I've had a lot of individuals, you know, leaders that I've perhaps worked with in my consulting work that have come to me and just said, you know, Mary, I'm just not sure. Like, in some ways, the pandemic has really allowed people to pause and look at what 
am I doing with my life? Am I on purpose with my life? You know, it's kind of given people a little bit of a jump start to say, hey, am I aligned with what's most important to me? And this particular program is really helping provide a, you know, guided journey for individuals, whether they're in whatever type of job you're in, could it be corporate sector, nonprofit, government sector, at any point in your career. You know, I've had participants who were, you know, maybe five years into their career. I've had participants that were 15 years into their career and others that are, you know, I've just sort of semi-retired, but I don't feel like I'm done yet. And it really is for that driving question for the people who've found most success with the Institute is, I know what I'm doing right now isn't, I, I don't feel like I'm on my my purpose and really activating all my potential, but I'm just not sure which path to take moving forward. What is your virtual class and what are some of the topics that you cover? Yeah, so with the, the Institute, we have a pretty you know, standard curriculum that is blending of international or multicultural understanding with also leadership development and coaching. So we really start that journey with examining your personal strengths. And so we do the Gallup Strengths Finder, which is now called the Clifton Strengths Finder. And, you know, to help the participants really get grounded on in what are my core talents and what do I what do I feel are my genius areas? And then we also explore some other skill building areas with respect to listening, cultural competence, and looking at bias um, when we look at cultural competence. And then we move into really thinking about how do you design your the next chapter of your life. And so the program utilizes resources from the Stanford D School called Designing Your Life and some of the aspects of that curriculum. And we look at design thinking and, and really frame the journey as a design experiment that you're not designing the rest of your life. You're actually just designing the next chapter of your life. So gaining skills and comfort with looking at prototyping and design thinking principles for your next five years of your life. And then ultimately the participants, you know, we have intermittent coaching that goes along with the program. And then there has been a retreat in the past. We didn't run the retreat this year, but a five-day retreat, which, or sorry, six-day retreat, which is a deep dive into really working on the those next that next chapter of your next five years, so to speak, of your life, the next chapter. And coming out of that with an action plan. So it isn't all theoretical. It is, you know, learning about self, gaining some tools along the way, working with design thinking principles on how do you craft the next chapter of your life, and then coming out of the program with an action plan to help move forward on that journey. What book are you currently reading? What book am I currently reading? Well, I have a couple books that I have been reading and I just finished. Let's see. What did I just finish? I'm looking at now. What I have on deck right now is So You Want to Talk About Race. And I had uh, previously finished reading um, book White Privilege, but 
So you want to talk about races on deck. How do you measure success in your life? I am a person around success, which has uh, is related to something I call uh, my joy o meter. Like, how much joy am I feeling about what is happening in my life right now? And whether that's my work or my personal life, it's really, you know, for me, as someone who's a solopreneur and has been working for themselves for a long time, your work life and your personal life are pretty intertwined. And as a whole person, those aspects are about something every day and how I, how I live my life every day. So for me, success is I feel happy about what I've accomplished in my work and the impact I've had in transforming my community and the organizations that I work with and have meaning in my work. And I also, success for me is being able to laugh and feel like I have energy to do fun things. So getting outside and being active are important aspects of success for me. For someone who's listening to this interview, what's the one thing you hope they take away from your story? You know, I mean, I feel as though what's guided me most through my my life and my career is connecting with others and using my talents or my opportunities or, or my privilege to bring out the best in others. And I think for me, if everybody recognized what their talents were and how they could leverage those talents to bring out the best in others, we would be living in a, in a world that's very different than it is today. So I hope that people think about that and see whether they're able to offer that on a daily basis in their life. So my last question today is in building this organization over the years, I'm sure you've had some amazing wins and accomplishments. And I'm also making the assumption that you've had some losses and breakdowns that felt low while you were really in it. And I'd love to hear from you as to what has kept you going over the years, even through the good and bad times of building a company. Sure. Well, oh yeah. And you know, you have to have tolerance for the ups and downs. And I never really saw myself as a risk taker. I'm pretty a calculated risk taker, but there are certainly times where you don't have control. Like, you know, as I talked about resilience earlier, you don't have control if um, a contract doesn't come through. And I think what's really helped me stay the course and continuing with my business is knowing that what I'm doing is what I'm meant to be doing. Like really being clear that this is my life purpose, that my purpose and my ikigai, if you're familiar with the Japanese concept of ikigai, which is a really amazing way of looking at your purpose, your meaning, and how you generate resources on, on, a, on a very holistic level is to really use my skills and talents to be a catalyst for other people to change the world. And so anytime that I was in a place where business wasn't good and I was like, not sure how it's going to all come together and I'm going to pay all my bills. I, I knew I just had to lean into that. Like, this is the work I'm meant to be doing in my life and we'll find, I'll find my way through it. And it, it always has happened. It certainly has been scary at times because you're just like, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to 
pay all the bills this next month. And then, you know, you get a phone call and, and it's uh, a new potential project that comes in. And so really, if you're aligned in doing what you feel like you're called to be doing, that's the greatest comfort in continuing to stay the course. Thank you for your time today. Thanks so much, Andrew. It was really great to have the opportunity to chat with you. Thanks for listening to Minutes with Mary. You can listen to all episodes of the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or on the Vista Global Coaching and Consulting website at www.vistaglobalcc.com, where you can also learn more about the programs and services Vista Global offers to create the world we want to live in. If you like what you heard today, let's connect on Twitter at Vista Global Mary. Thanks so much for joining me. It was awesome to have you along for this segment.